Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 151 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And today I'm interviewing Jean Cotterman Mermel. And Jean is Jeff Cotterman's sister. And so Jeff recommended to me that I speak to Jean because she has a very interesting story. So Jean says, I'm a working single mum of three children. One is married, one is finishing up college, and one is in high school and home full time with me. I've always been a teacher and most recently have been working as a reading specialist, helping children with reading delays due to COVID, learning disabilities or other reasons. Early on in my 30s, I became interested in eating low carb as a means of losing weight. But most recently, I've tried eating strictly keto as a way of combating colon cancer and reducing the side effects of treatments such as radiation and chemotherapy. So let's go and hear from Jean. Welcome, Jean, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. It's so nice to be here, too. Thank you so much. We always ask our first question. I I had a co-host, Louise, and uh-huh. we, we were always doing this together. So I still say our, but anyway, it's just me now. Okay. <laughs> so my first question is, where in the world are you? So uh, as far as country is concerned, I'm in America. I'm Uh in the state of New Jersey and the city of Old Bridge, which probably people haven't heard of, but it's like almost like right smack in the middle of the state. Okay. Um, Close to New York City. Excellent. Lovely. And I know that's that's where you grew up, isn't it? No. As in New Jersey. Um, Actually grew up in New York City. In, oh, okay. um, on Staten Island. It's so like one of the five boroughs. And uh, I lived there till about 12 or 13. And then we moved to the, the suburbs of New Jersey. Ah, okay. It was like a big difference. Yeah. Because I remember, so Jean is Jeff Cotterman's sister. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, Jeff saying that he came from New Jersey. So that's why I thought that. Yes, yes. So it's all kind of like the tri-state area and where we lived in New York city wasn't really like Manhattan, like the heart. It was also like the suburbs too. Yeah. So we're not like from this, you know, from the streets of New York. I wouldn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Still a little street smart. Yeah. Cool. Um, So Jeff's episode, if anybody wants to go and listen to it is episode 96. So anyway, back to you. We've done enough of Jeff. 
back to you. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure he's going to come up again in in the yes, he will again. probably. Tell us how you came to low carb first of all. Okay, so um, we were talking before, and I said I always considered my well, not always since my 30s, I would say after kids were born, and I started to pack on a few pounds, I looked into the low carb lifestyle just as a way of losing weight. And um, it was back then most popular was Atkins. Mm -hmm. And my dad was trying it. So um, I used that as a means of just losing weight, just uh, uh, not not so much concerned with health, just wanted to lose pounds and, and lose sizes. That's all. Yeah. And so I would consider myself more low carb then than keto. Yeah. In fact, I didn't really know what keto was back then. No, probably not. No, no. I'm so I'm I'm 51 now. So 20 years ago wasn't it wasn't all the rage that it is now. No. And that was probably the time that Atkins was popular. Yeah, yeah. And um still we were still at like the tail end of the low fat time. Yeah. Because I remember my in-laws, for one, um, she had always, my mother-in-law had always struggled with rheumatoid arthritis, and she was always trying low fat as a way of losing weight mm. or gaining health and um, wasn't working. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, but um, low carb worked for me to take off the pounds back then. So that uh, that's what I, I would, you know, cycle in and out of it if I needed to lose weight. Hmm. And so was there a time later on when you did it a bit more seriously or um, just keep I, using it, you know, as a yeah, I wouldn't say, um, I wouldn't say that I ever tracked my protein and fat back then, just carbs, just net carbs. And there was always like, you know, a magic number of keep trying to keep it at to, to lose weight. Hmm. So um, I wouldn't say it got any more serious than that. Only, you know, only recently yeah. did I get really hardcore about it. Yeah. So there was a reason why recently you became hardcore about it. So do you want to tell the listeners what happened? Yes. So most recently, about almost almost exactly a year ago, I was diagnosed with colon cancer. Um, I would say more colorectal cancer. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know what it was attributed to because I always thought of myself as very healthy. And I always felt like people with colon cancer, the ones who usually get it, they're obese, they're smokers, they're drinkers. And I was none of that. So um, the only thing that I, I thought I could attribute it to was stress was the stress. Um, I got divorced when I was 41. Mm -hmm. So back through my forties, I went from like a stay at home mom to who was married to uh, a single working mom. Yeah. So it was a lot of stress. And I remember feeling some symptoms back then, but I, I always like attributed it to stress or our hemorrhoid because I had had three fairly large children. So I thought, Oh, you know, it's just, it's just a hemorrhoid. And I was so busy. Um, I didn't really have it checked out fully so that that, that was what was going on. But then, most recently, before my diagnosis, the, the um, symptoms had gotten more intense. And um, there was blood in my stool. Yeah. I was having trouble 
with my, I, I would say one of the top things to look for if you're concerned about this type of cancer is a change in bowel habits. So I would say that there definitely was, I felt like I had to go to the bathroom almost, you know, all the time, or if uh, sometimes I would sit down and, and nothing would come out or sometimes I mean, not to get graphic, but sometimes I would go and then still feel like I had to go. Um, so again, I attributed to stress because I had, I, um, I'm a teacher and teachers are always under a lot of stress and I had changed jobs recently. So I, I just assumed it was that. And even my primary care, when I finally went to see him, he, he attributed it to that too. He's like, Oh, it's probably just a hemorrhoid. Um, he did some tests. I remember back then, um, just for just some blood tests for food sensitivities or H pylori. Um, and then he said, go see a gastroenterologist. That's what he said to me. But the wait for that was like five weeks out. So when I finally got to see him that my doctor had recommended, um, I remember he, he gave me a, he gave me the look. He's like, this does not sound good. I don't like, I don't like what I'm hearing. Mm. And um, he act again, not to be graphic, but he actually did a rectal exam and, and felt something. So he, he, he said, you need an immediate colonoscopy. So I was only 50 at the time. So I had not had a colonoscopy yet. And um, at that point, I guess, I don't think they had lowered it to 45 or they just lowered it to 45, the age for getting colonoscopies, but I was 50. So I had not had one. Yeah. So when I, when I did get one, it, re- it revealed a mass in the lower part of my rectum, which uh, the doctor said he was like 99% sure was cancer. Yeah. So he, and he um, recommended I see an oncologist and he gave me the name of a surgeon and it was like just a complete shock to me. So um, that's anyway, I'm trying to lead into your question was about keto and I, no, 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 that's fine. So I'm, cause I can imagine that. Well, I can't imagine, I cannot imagine what it's like to get that diagnosis. So Mm. how did you feel at the time? Just, I I think shock definitely at first um there's a feeling that this is not real um you know you say to yourself i have cancer and you're like no that can't that can't be true there's there's got to be some mistake or something's going to come back good like that maybe the lab like suddenly the labs will come back that no it wasn't cancer after all we we were you know it was a mistake or um you know, when I went for my MRI, would just come back a stage one or something, but mine actually came back stage three wow. because it had, um, it had grown into the, almost like through, I guess the, the lining of the rectum. And also there were suspicious lymph nodes. That's why they staged me at a three. Yeah. So, um, that I, yeah. So I what, think, happened, what happened at that point? So then, um, they started throwing around. I, I met with a surgeon and they started throwing around radiation, chemo, and, um, and also uh, surgery afterwards, then maybe some more chemo after that. And um, then there started to, I started to get very afraid. Mm. And um, I, I hate to say it, but 
my, my most, my most fear was not the fear of death. My most fear was the fear of, of having a permanent colostomy bag. Mm. I just felt like I, I couldn't live with that. And, uh, that sounds, it, that sounds very selfish. I feel like, cause people do, and people live very like high quality lives with it. But when you're, I guess when you're first faced with it, it's very scary. Yeah. Cause you so, I think with anything like that, it just feels so such a big thing that you yeah. think how how would how how would I cope with that and and maybe even death sounds a bit better than then to cope with a disability let's say in inverted commas a disability yeah and yeah and it takes time to to come to terms with it I guess yeah yeah absolutely and um I think that's that is part of my journey eventually they come coming to a piece of about that, that whatever, whatever God has in store for me, it will be. Mm. So that that's, I mean, my, my faith is a, is a big part of it too. Cause I, um, we're going to, I mean, we're going to get into keto and this is a keto podcast, but I did not do it perfectly. So I attribute a lot of the fact that I had a complete response at the end to my therapies, to keto, but I, I definitely attribute it to prayer also. Yeah. And um, yeah, I had a, I had a, a lot of prayer warriors <laughs> <laughs> going, going out for me. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, when you got the diagnosis, were you low, low carb at that point? I, um, or no, no, I, I, I think that um, I was, because I was part of my symptoms, I was so gassy and bloated too. That was part of it that I was sort of messing around with some different things, trying to be gluten-free, dairy-free, trying, um, someone suggested too many raw vegetables you're doing. So I, I think I had veered away some from low carb and we're trying these other things just to see what would work and what is going on. So, um, when my brother was the one who, who suggested, now my brother had been keto for quite some time at that point. And I, I always thought of that was, that's too extreme for me. Yeah. I I don't, I don't think that I want to do that, but, um, but he was, he was the one that said, I have a book for you. I'm sending you a book in the mail. Take a look at, and I'll, I'll set you up with a, an online meeting with the author. And um, again, I was like, know and that seems like a lot and if I you know if I if I meet with this woman and then talk to her I might have to actually commit to this yeah so um but her book her book is called keto for cancer and um the author Miriam Kalamian yep and um, it made a lot of sense and uh, she had experienced uh, success with um stopping the growth of the cancer in her son who had brain cancer. And, uh, you know, I didn't read it cover to cover, but I um, started sparking some interest. And, you know, I liked the idea that my brother said to me, um, we can use the traditional therapies, but let's, let's attack the tumor from all angles, many different angles. Yeah. And it, and it gave me some idea of control over, I had some control too. Yeah, there's something that you could do that was going to support even just the treatments. 
Yes. Yes. Not just lying down on the table. Yeah. Like getting radiated and all that. But um, yeah. And, and I meeting with the author, Miriam was excellent because she gave me very specific things to follow, which is what I needed, what my macros would be, what it would all look like. And on top of her other online supports too, like um, she gave me the program that I would be logging my foods into. It's called chronometer. And then I would get an online support person for the first month who would then she would look at that each day and then give me tips. Mm -hmm. So that really helped. Yeah. Yeah. I use chronometer as well. I don't use it all the time because I'm not very good at tracking, but when I do track, I track in chronometer. Yeah. I love it. I don't do it every day either, but um, I I do like it. And um, just some, you know, something to crunch the numbers for you. Yeah. 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 So I, I would say I made, I made the, I made the commitment at that point to see what I, to see what I could do. I would do it, you know, I would do my best. That's what I said, but um, I wound up, I wound up really sticking to it. I, I was amazed. And again, I think I attributed God giving me the strength, but people, people around me too were amazed at, at that point, the ability to be able to deny certain foods or certain things. I don't know if you, you want to get into um, how it is doing keto when you feel nauseous and yeah, all that. You know, this is your space to share with our listeners anything and everything that you went through and how it was for you because everybody's going to have their own journey. And, and I know you know of Martha Tettenborn. She's been on and how she <laughs> use the fasting to hack the chemo but your experience is going to be very different to hers I imagine yes yeah in fact um she was part of my package I had I'd received my brother um gave it for me and and um I'm so grateful for what what he has done and what he did through this whole journey um but he gave me like the getting started package with Miriam and it included two sessions with Martha Ah. be able to talk to another, a fellow cancer survivor. And um, so was, it was highly recommended that I fast before chemo. Um, But if we could just back up a little bit to um, the first part of my, in the summer, so almost a year ago, I did, I did radiation first. So that included 28 sessions of radiation. And in conjunction with that, I would, I took, um, a chemo pill, um, capacetabine and that, um, caused a lot of nausea. I was, I did not expect that mm. I expected with, with, uh, traditional chemo yeah. that I would get in the fall, um, that I would, I would feel the nausea, but I didn't expect that this oral chemo would do that for me. So I, I started off my keto journey feeling the very first week feeling extremely nauseous. And um, it was my body getting used to that oral chemo. Yeah. And um, so I, it took me a little, it took me a little while to, to tweak this. And I remember my mom to my mom, well, she's eight, she's going to be 85. She was not a big supporter. She's like, what are you doing to yourself? So much pressure you're putting on yourself. You feel nauseous. You know, the first thing when you feel, when you feel nauseous, what does your mom want to do? She wants to give you some toast. toast, toast. 
Yeah, yeah. Dry toast or toast and butter, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So nothing, that wasn't doing it for me. Not, so I remember my brother said, so are the high carbs making you feel better? Are they, are they working? Or, you know, if you want to eat, might as well just eat low carb because nothing's really making you feel good. And it, and it was true. Even the toast wasn't. So I hate to say it, but the, um, the anti-nausea pills were the, were the ones that really helped me with the nausea. Not, not what I was eating, but um, my nurse did prescribe to me Zofran and, and that, that did wonders that I, I could take that as needed around the clock. Yeah. So, so that once I got my nausea under control, I could, I could start with the keto, but some things that first week that I ate, I could never go back to, I associated them with nausea. Mm, interesting. What were they? Macadamia nut butter. Oh, I don't think I could try that again. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. So yeah, macadamia nut butter. Um, I'm still trying to get back to ghee. I, ugh, the, um, the <laughs> idea of like ghee floating at the top of my coffee sounds like kind of disgusting to me still. So that, that, that kind of coconut oil is okay. I can do, I can still do because a lot of times, um, my online coach with my nutrition, Nalan was her name. She would, she would type in, you need to add a little more fat to this meal. You need to just add a little more fat, sprinkle some oil. And it just sounded, it sounded that, that was the tough part being nauseous and then trying to add fat. I think that was like the biggest challenge. Yeah. I can imagine that. Yeah. I've, I often get nauseous when I've got um, a migraine. And what what I really want is something stodgy like bread or potatoes, mashed potatoes is used to be quite good for me. And that's, and yeah, and fat doesn't cut it. Not that I have mashed potatoes or bread anymore, but. Right, right. But I can imagine how fat would make you, your stomach. Yeah. For sure. So, so that, that was a challenge. Um. But somehow, like in the middle, in the middle, so it was a 28 day span of radiation. And in the middle of that, the the nausea sort of plateaued. And I I think towards the very end, it peaked again, but, but um, it it was never as bad as the first week. Yeah. But like I said, because I associated some of those foods with, I couldn't, couldn't really eat them again. Smoothies were, were great. Smoothies were really great last summer. So, and then you can sort of hide fat in there too. Yeah. So what did you have in your smoothies? So um, I would put a non-dairy milk as the base and then protein powder, also a vegan protein powder, um, some kind of nut butter, not macadamia, <laughs> peanut or almonds, uh, uh, a low carb fruit would go in there and then some coconut oil. Right. Yeah. That, that that was like the best combination, um, probably like strawberries or, or blueberries in there. Yeah. So, so still, still low carb and, and high protein. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't gotten as much back into smoothies, but now that I'm talking about it, it sounds really good. <laughs> so yeah, it's a good snack or whatever on the go. 
Yeah. Are you vegetarian? Because you said a vegetarian protein. Are you vegetarian? I'm, I'm not. I, I, I have two children who are dairy free. Uh, so out of two out of my three children, um, they were born that way. One is more extreme than the other. Um, he can detect dairy in the, the slightest. You know, if we, if we didn't clean a pan, say, before we cooked his egg, he could tell mm. or something like that. Or even if it's um, nonfat milk powder baked into something. So we, we have, so I think it's because we had that. Um, well, not only did we have that in the house already, but Miriam had suggested a, a vegan protein powder. Okay. I think easier to digest, maybe, okay. as opposed to the whey. Yeah. Um, but you know, it worked really well for me. So I've kept it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only, the only reason I would consider going, adding more vegetables back to, we're not back, but adding more as opposed to red meat is because of, and we spoke about this before is the high cholesterol, which we could get to later. Yeah. Okay. But that's like a chat that was, that's been a challenge lately, but not that not back then. Um, but I would say my next, my next challenge that I encountered was the fasting. Miriam had highly suggested that I fast 24 hours before chemo and 24 hours after. So the difference between my treatment and Martha's was that she would go for one infusion that lasted a few hours, um, maybe even lo- longer for her that that first infusion. But then she would just then she would go home and and um, and get o- get over it. I, on the other hand, and I'm finding from talking to other people, this is like standard procedure for uh, colorectal patients. Is um, I would go for an infusion and then go home hooked up to another bag of chemo. Uh, yeah. So I would for 48 hours, I would be hooked up to this and then go back to be unhooked. So Miriam and Martha, of course, agreed. I should not, fa- I'm not going to be fasting 24 hours before that 48 hour period. And then after, so um, we had to tweak that a little because my 24, the very first, I had eight rounds of chemo, the very first round I, I fasted very well, um, did very, it wasn't a, it wasn't a full fast. There were a few calories with bone broth, things like that. But the, the reason for doing that is so you can kick your body into a higher state of ketosis. Yeah. So I did the 24 hours before I was all gung ho, ready to go, um, came home, hooked up to my chemo, went to bed the next morning was so, so dizzy and that's when um, I'm trying to think if I was still supposed to be, I don't think that I was still fat. I know I was going to break my fast at that point. Yeah. And um, I could barely make the meal. I was so dizzy. So we had decided in speaking to Martha, one of our sessions, add back a few calories. So we brought the calories up to 700 to 900, Yeah, but still very, very low carb, like below 20 grams of carb. That worked a little better, but I was still, still kind of dizzy. So the, the fasting, we had to re- sort of rethink and rework. What is the fasting really for? Mm-hmm. Is it, it, so 
actually by the end of my, um, my chemo rounds, I was at the point where I, I was back to almost my full calorie amount, but just very, very low carb. I tried to keep my carbs as low as possible. So we just decided, you know, the point of it is, is to get your ketosis up as much as possible. Um, I don't know if I, you know, will I ever be in a position to do that again? Obviously right now, fasting would be easier for me because I'm not undergoing chemo. Yeah. I'm not a big fasting fan. I don't know if it's because I've never, I haven't done it enough, tried it enough. I, it's just never, I, I have not enjoyed it. <laughs> so I have done lot. I have done lots of fasting and I am not a big fasting fan. <laughs> I dread every time I think about some people just say, oh, I'm not going to eat and they get on with it and they eat, yes. they eat for a few days. I know. I, I, I never want to fast. I have to set it in the diary if I'm going to do it. And I hate every minute of it. So yes. maybe we do. Yeah. Not <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not alone. And I don't, you know, what is the reason for that? I, I, I don't know. Am I hypoglycemic? Like I, um, there's been times when, where I've enjoyed eating every three hours, like to me, fasting from one meal to the next is, <laughs> is fasting. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. I might yeah. like going from supper to lunch. That's so that's okay. I can do that. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I think that I can go 12 hours. That's about it from dinner to, to the next, like dinner at six to breakfast at six the next day. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah no, I, I never enjoy it. It's always a chore for me. Yeah. And I understand too about the, the reason behind it. Uh, so your cells can rebuild and it, that you need to go a certain amount so they can get into that autophagy. Um, I, I understand that. Um, so for me, it was extra challenge during, during chemo. But what I liked was Martha was such a good support. It, it wasn't, you know, there was no guilt trip about it. It really worked well for her. She, she, she has the, the book, you know, hacking chemo and um, she'll, it, if anyone is in that position, she'll, she takes you step by step. But um, it was a harder situation for me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm just going to look up Martha's episode. Yeah. So if anybody wants to listen to the episode we did with Martha, that's 102. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So I think, you know, we were saying before, everybody's journey is different and you've got to do what works for you. Um, Yeah. But you, you were saying you had the benefit of the ketosis. Right. And I used, um, this is, I would also recommend, but uh, it was also a source of stress for me in the beginning, but I used the, uh, the blood stick testing for my ketosis. And again, my brother, bless his heart, he set me up with that. He sent me all the stuff and that's, that is a little expensive. And people have said that um, people prefer to pee on the sticks or, uh, or whatever, but um, I got used to pricking my finger and then seeing, you know, gave me satisfaction that right before going into chemo, it was, it was up there, it was over 2.0. That's what I was, that's what I was tracking for. But that wasn't, that wasn't a regular everyday occurrence of being up over 2.0. So was that um, just prior to the, prior to the um, treatment? Prior to chemo? Um, 
for the rest of the, I would say my span of time doing hardcore keto, I am not, I'm not there right now to be quite honest. I'm not, but the rest of the time, the goal was to be over 1.0 to at least be at 1.0. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, um, so whatever, whatever I did, um, it, it still caused there to be a complete response at the end mm. to, to the treatments. And um, I don't know if I could, I could tell a little story about that at, um, at the very end. Um, so I meet with my oncologist fairly regularly and um, he's oh he was always talking about when you get your surgery. So when, you know, when we're done with this, then you're going to be tracking towards your surgery Surgery, surgery. So it was always like a given. Yeah. Uh, I, and he's he's not that much older than I am, but the only one that ever talked about maybe the possibility of not getting a surgery was my surgeon, believe it or not. And she was based at a different hospital, and I loved her. But she she said, if there is a complete response, we can do what's called surveillance. Um, she had she had mentioned that, but. Uh, my medical oncologist and my radiation oncologist both said, no, no, no one would ever tell you not to get surgery. And I think the reason for that is because they're afraid maybe there's like microscopic cells left behind and you should, but with surgery, there's always the possibility of the colostomy bag, but it could be a temporary one. Yeah. So, uh, which was what was said to me, I would probably have a temporary colostomy bag and then the reversal. Yeah. But I was also hearing some horror stories about that reversal of the colostomy bag. Um, a close friend of mine, she she connected me with a friend of hers who had gone through the same exact cancer, same exact treatments, got the surgery at the end with the colostomy bag, and then had the reversal. And now she she struggles with her bowel habits to this day. Yeah. So, uh, that scared, that scared me a little. So, but, um, so the surgery was actually all, all set and put in place. I had, I had my date and I was going in to see my surgeon for like a pre-operation procedure it was not a, not a, um, not a colonoscopy. It was called a flexible sigmoidoscopy. So it's just the lower half of the intestine mm-hmm. and I would still be put to sleep and everything. And we were still even talking before the procedure. She said, you know, we're going to be looking and at your last CAT scan, there's still, there, you know, still showed a little bit of like a thickening of the rectal wall. So we're expecting to still see something and um, blah, blah, blah. So when she woke me up, she said, oh, you've had a complete response. Congratulations. It's all gone. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be in touch for, for next steps. So that was, I was another where I was in complete shock, did not, did not expect that at all. So she went in with the idea that she was going to, that she might have to operate. Was she going to operate there and there? No, not there. It was a, it was like a scope to see exactly what was going on in the area and to get, take some pictures and get an idea what she would be doing. And um, yeah, that's, That'd be funny. She went into operate. It's not there, but um, no, she just went to take pictures. And okay, she's like, yeah. oh, it's it's all, gone. there was some scar tissue, but um, she said, Oh, it's, it's all gone. So yeah, 
that, that was, that was just like one of the best days of my life, you know, to hear, to hear that. And, and also you're so groggy, you know, when you, when you wake up from, um, if anyone's ever gone for the colonoscopy, you wake up a little groggy and you're like, what, what did she just say? I even said to the nurse, I'm like, did she just say I had a complete response? What did she, you know, so that was, that was great. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. So yeah. How, how did the medical profession respond to you doing keto? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So originally when I wanted to do it, I even brought my keto for, for cancer book in to uh, my medical oncologist. He said, I do not want you doing anything drastic right now. He said, you don't know what caused the cancer. You don't know if how you were eating caused the cancer. So how, you know, changing anything now, it's not going to make that big of a difference. So I just want you to eat how you normally eat. And the big push is to eat enough calories. That's what they're concerned because a lot of times cancer patients lose weight. So they want to make sure you're eating enough. However, that is eat enough calories. My, um, my radiation oncologist was a little bit more on board. He said, do what makes you feel comfortable. However, you know, he said, your body, no matter, no matter if you get rid of all of the sugar, your body will still produce sugar, you know? So that's true. Which is true. That, that was his, his response. And um, Miriam actually addresses that right in her book that doctors will say that. And um, yes, cancer cells love sugar, but there's so much more benefit of doing keto than just starving the cancer cells. You know, it's, it's making the whole, you know, yourself holistically better. So it, it, uh, starves the pathways, you know, that, that will enable the cancer to keep growing, you know, all that stuff. It's so good. Yeah. I'm guessing that if, if anyone, I mean, you've said that your medical team didn't Mm. think that changing the diet would make a difference. So what would you say to somebody who, who has had a diagnosis and, and they're, they're going to get pushed back from their medical caregivers because Mm. unless they're absolutely, you know, picked the lottery ticket, the one they get that one doctor that has heard of low carb and is into low carb, but then they're not that many, you know, they're not that many. Well, So nine times out of 10, you're going to have, or even probably 9.9 times out of 10, you're going to have a caregiver that yeah doesn't think that diet is any good doesn't see the point carry on doing what you're doing i mean what got you to where you are doing what you're doing so why change it carry on instead of instead of oh yeah why don't you change what you're doing you might get a different result but anyway what so what would you say to somebody who's in who's been in that position where you are i would say that um you you're going to have to get yourself some online support uh, well, it doesn't have to be online. You need you need support outside of yourself mm. to help you to continue. And I mean, I with my brother, not only did I have a person who was doing it, but just his personality—I I hate to say—just his personality. He's he's ex-marine. He was he pushed me to the point until I pushed back and said, "I can't." You know. He, he just kept pushing and put in, you almost need someone who's going to be firm with you. 
um, he actually initially wanted me to go in and say, um, I don't want that many radiation treatment. Like, I don't want that many days. Can you reduce my amount of radiation? Can you, I don't want to do um, as much chemo. Can, and I, I could not do that. Mm. He only pushed so far. It was his suggestion. Yeah. But um, I was, I was very scared and I couldn't, at that point I was just starting out keto. So I couldn't go, go in and to it, to a doctor and say that, you know, and, and your doctors would, I, I believe they would go along like if, because it's your body. I guess you could say, you know what, I'm, I only want five rounds as opposed to, but he, he would have spoken highly against that, but I think they would, they would allow you to do what you want to do. I just didn't have the courage to do that. And nor at this point, do I know if that would have been a good idea, but all of that to say, you need, you need some support, someone who's going to be firm, but gentle with you in, in following through with this diet, you have so much stress going on as it is. Yeah. So yeah, that takes away some of the stress when you've got somebody beside you guiding you. Yeah. And then giving, giving you that encouragement along the way, as you see, like, I, I remember my brother saying too, I still went for, for my workouts, even during radiation on my off weeks of chemo. And he would, he would say, look at you, look, you look better than you did in high school, like stuff like that. You're going through all this and you're still working out. Look at you. Like, it's so nice to hear somebody say that. Yeah. So, and uh, he's like, you've been more compliant because, you know, being the little sister, he's like, you've been more compliant than I ever thought you would. (laughs) (laughs) So listening to your big brother, you know? Yeah. Good for you though. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because I, I was speaking to Jeff at the latter part of last year and he told me about you and all the stuff that you were going through. So um, he was so, so thrilled when you got a great result. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was like thrilled to call him about that, you know, look at because it, it's it's a lot because of him, you know, that his his suggestion and then his support. Yeah, that, that, that that and also he prayed for me too. Yeah, but don't don't take away the credit because you actually did it. So you know, yeah. he could have told you, and you and he could have sent you the book, and you could have not opened it, and you could have taken no notice, and you could have carried on. So yes, he was there, and yes, he supported you, but mm-hmm. you have to acknowledge that actually it was you that did it, and you that did the work because you had to do the work. Thank you. Yeah. So you mentioned before about prayer um, and so just touch a little bit on that and how that helped you as well. Yeah. um, I remember right before to making this decision, I had asked some people to pray, should I do this diet? And um, I, you know, there's not a, there's not a one diet fits all. And there are camps in the Christian community that say we should be eating like the Garden of Eden, you know, and there are also camps of cancer survivors who have done vegetarian and juicing Uh and they'll swear by that. Yeah. So at the end of the day, really, I wanted God to guide me in that respect. And uh, I, you know, I, I don't agree 
with that we should be eating like the Garden of Eden for several reasons that I could get it, you know, um, I could get into another time, but um, we, we can, we can eat meat, you know, God allows us to eat meat. So um, I, I feel that you have to, you have to feel there's a big, big mental component to doing keto too. And the battling, especially during cancer, is it is this really making a difference? Is this being so extreme? Is this because it does take away a little bit of your comfort too? Yeah. So I think prayer is important in that respect that um, God will pick up where you leave off. I certainly had my moments of of wanting comfort, especially when the holidays came. So my last chemo treatment was. Um, December 31st. So I had gone through, but from Thanksgiving through Christmas, doing a lot of cheating mm-hmm. and thinking, well, I've done it this long, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm going to eat the, eat the whatever. So um, I feel like then I want to give some of the credit to God because then he, whatever he did, he met me where I, where I was weak and I couldn't, I couldn't do it perfectly, mm. you know, and we, we can't, we can't always do it perfectly. So, yep. you know, and a lot of, a lot of things that we, that we do in life, we're not going to be perfect, but God will pick up. Yeah. We don't need to be perfect. We just need to be on plan as much of the time as we can. Yeah. You know, it's nobody's perfect. Yeah. Even, I, if anybody tells you they're perfect, I think they're lying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, whenever you think of something, you're going to like, oh, I'm when I'm trying to decide now my post-cancer life and doing low carb keto, how, how to cheat days work. And I, I still don't have a handle on that because yeah. I'll say something like, okay, I'll cheat once a month. There'll be a cheat day, or I'll just cheat when I'm going to my mom's because she, she does all the home baked stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I can't just do whatever I decide. <laughs> yeah. So what does your diet look like now that you've, you've finished your treatment, you've got a clear bowel? What does it, what does it look like today? Okay. So I have, um, all right. So since, since getting the cancer diagnosis, I went through a phase of, heavy duty. Well, I wouldn't say heavy duty cheat. There was a, a lot of cheating, like a lot of celebrating after the um, cancer free diagnosis. And then I said, okay, I have to get back on board with this. So um, when I, Miriam had said, while I was going through chemo, I could raise my carbs to like 40. So I kind of, st- I stick with my carbs more in 40 or below range. Mm-hmm. And um, I've started experimenting some I miss bread a lot, but there's there was a good keto paleo bread that I found at Whole Foods that I I will eat only four grams of carbs, um, things like that. Like I found a good cracker if I need, or even at, like I'm tired of pork rinds. Like I found an, a, a low carb chip I like. So th- experimenting with a lot of those things, mm. but still staying within uh, 40 and below range of of carbs um, for the most you know, for a di- on my, like my daily routine. 
Yeah. So um, Ben Asadi recommends, I mean, he, he recommends some fasting, but he also recommends some a one day a week of higher carbs, higher healthy carbs. So, so oh. incorporating some um, white rice or some higher carb vegetables like some squash or something like that. So um, he says to go to 100 and 150 one day a week of higher carbs. Healthy, healthy carbs, though, yeah, yeah. not just like, not yeah. like a cheap whatever I want. Yeah, okay. and he, he still recommends grain-free, so um, particularly wheat-free. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's been some other things that I've been playing around with. Um, mostly I, I did go for uh, my annual physical again and my blood work. And my primary care doctor is not not keto friendly. So he um, he saw my blood work and kind of freaked out because I did have the elevated LDL yeah. levels. So and then my, you know, my whole cholesterol levels went up and he was like pleading with me, please stop this diet. He's, he's a very soft smoking, gentle uh, Indian man. And he's like, I haven't seen, you know, good results. And um, he feels like all of his clients who are, who are Indian and use coconut oil, they're all having heart attacks. That's what he, I don't know. He, he, he's like, but if, Okay. He's like, if you want to do keto, then could you please do like a Mediterranean keto? So I looked, I looked that up and I was going to start playing around with that. However, what I'm concerned with is it's going to get too boring because it, it's then all, it's just lean meats and it's, it's dairy free. Mm. And yeah, that's about, yeah. That's, a, that's enough to re- like, you're already cutting some foods and then you're cutting more. And my brother said that too. He's like, I think you're, I'm afraid you're just going to fall off the wagon altogether. Yeah. You start messing around with the, this. Me- so, you know, yeah. I, my thoughts are that the medical profession have got so much wrong, you know, over time. They just, if you're in and maybe you just need to be in this low carb keto space a bit longer and you know find some more resources not just jeff um is the more you get involved the more you recognize that the whole medical profession they're just they're just following what they were taught who's following what they were taught and and so it goes and nothing really changes but I was at a conference um, last month and there were so many doctors there who who were sat talking about low carbon keto and mm-hmm. how they recommend it to their patients and they're not expecting cholesterol to be low. But it's still a small proportion of the whole medical profession that that is thinking that way. But if we got some of it wrong, you know, maybe we got that bit wrong as well. Hmm. So I think, yeah, you have to find a place where you're comfortable to say, I'm okay. So as we mentioned offline, my cholesterol is a bit high. It's not massively high. It's a bit out of range, but I'm totally comfortable with that. But I also know people who have really, really high cholesterol and they are quite comfortable with that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they say that the people with high cholesterol live longer and people with low cholesterol don't so sounds good enough for me really 
Yeah. 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 Since we, we, we were talking a bit before and um, I think I have to, just what you said, have to get to that space of, of feeling comfortable with, with doing this long-term. And um, I've also struggled a bit recently with um, back pain and um, then there's like this idea of like uh, being very non-inflammatory with whatever, with whatever I'm doing. But I think, I think I would be a lot worse if I wasn't doing keto. Um, I threw my back out a few years ago and every once in a while, it'll, it'll just give a little tweak, you know, but I feel like because I'm doing this, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't um, lay me up anymore. Like Mm -hmm. I sort of rebound pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah. I was just going to say there's, there's just other things uh, to think about. In addition to keto, I've, I've been in a very stressful, it's been a very stressful year. So that, that is stress is a, is a big factor. Um, I did wind up going recently to a chiropractor. I had never seen a chiropractor for my back before, but he, he came highly recommended from my church and he's like whole, very holistic. Um, but he, he said that adrenal fatigue is a, is a real thing. He felt that I was a, I was a person who fell into that category as being adrenally fatigued. Um, I'm looking into that a little bit more, but that could just be because of the cancer treatments I've been through. But also I had an experience at my, my job recently where um, they moved me over I was teaching very happily at an elementary school as a reading specialist, loving it, loving life. And then suddenly they said, Oh, we're cutting your program. We're moving you to the middle school, you know, with, with those, those like very hormonal kids. But Mm -hmm. not only that, there had been a stabbing in the district. Um, One of the students stabbed another, not, not in the school, but on uh, off of school grounds, but I was to be taking over the class that had the stabber. (laughs) So I just remember like my, those first couple of weeks, like my chest hurting me. So there's like stress is a major factor of inflammation. And then, and then I, whenever I'm in situations like that and I can't sleep well, I always go to coffee. I always start drinking too much coffee. Yeah. It's something. Stress, stress. I would say is probably the worst thing for all of us on, you know, on our health and well-being because it affects so much and including mm-hmm. our hormones. And then yes. when you're, um, when you're stressed, your cortisol is high, when your cortisol is high, so is your insulin high, which is more inflammatory. The whole thing is inflammatory. And yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the day though, it, the, I, I know, um, the way the way I was eating and the breakfast that I would eat in the morning and then go and stand in front of a classroom where it was very a very stressful environment, but still feel strong. I think that's what the keto does for you. And also that uh, regulating of blood sugar and giving like giving me the energy that I needed to be able to work who, you know, not who can do that. You know, that's amazing to me that I could still work out while undergoing treatments like that. So have you found ways to manage your stress? Yes. I think also knowing 
when to say when I, um, I took most recently, I took my remaining 30 sick days that I had in the district and said goodbye <laughs> to them. I, um, I'm changing my, my job for next year. I'm going back to being a reading specialist, but in a different district. Uh. Um, I said, you know, you guys have to figure out how to fill these, these positions. But um, I normally would never do that. I would stick it out. But um, I gave them my, my lovely doctor that I talked about before he wrote me a script said, you've been through enough this year. Yeah. So he gave me a three week medical leave that I just took recently for the, so knowing that, and also um, my um, kids and I moved just a few years ago to this town and we, we discovered a church we like. So I got involved with the local Bible study there with women who were through me this past year and praying for me so much. So I can imagine that, you know, I'm not, I'm not a religious person, although I do believe in a higher being, but I can imagine that, you know, just that whole life around the church gets you folks relaxing, you know, bringing in that relaxation because you're thinking outside of yourself in a way. And And in the moment you're in that moment of, you know, if you're doing Bible study, you're focusing on that and all the other worries go away. Yeah. And if I can just share one more thing about that, um, speaking of, you said, getting out of yourself and what's the purpose. A lot of times people ask why me, and I've been a good person and why is this happening to me? And I, of course, asked, asked that too. Like, what's, what's the point God of me, you know, being good and following you, you're going to just give me cancer or what, or whatever else might be. And it, it's not that God gives you cancer. Cancer is the result of a, we live in a fallen world. It, it's not perfect, you know, and our world is, is sinful and has disease and these things happen, but God sees you through, but sometimes it's, it's even more than just him seeing you through there's, there's maybe even a higher purpose. And sometimes we don't know that we won't know that until we we meet him face to face. But I was given a little glimpse because last summer, um, my, all of my treatments happened to be in the town where my parents lived Hmm. and, um, my parents had gotten COVID. My mom recovered fairly well, but my dad who had had heart disease earlier in his life did, did not recover, but going to the town every day for radiation placed me logistically. So I could go over to where my parents, I don't know. It just, something gave me a piece about that, that I, I, every day I go and then I would check on my mom, check on my dad. And then uh, eventually my dad did in the middle of the summer, he did, he did pass away, but just to be there, I felt like it, it forced me to be, to be close where I could just, take care of my parents. Yeah. And if that was the purpose for having cancer, I don't know. It, yeah. But sorry for your loss though. Thank you. Thank you. He, he had been declining for a while. So this was the, um, it wasn't, it wasn't the, it wasn't COVID. It was really his heart that wasn't able to deal with it. But um, yeah, well, he's, he's a believer. So he's in a better place. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Jean, is there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners or something that you feel I should have asked you and I didn't? I think the only other thing I'd like to share is that uh, this this particular type of cancer, I feel it, it can be good and bad. It's I feel it's good in such a way that it, it's it's very survivable. I'd say um, it's bad in a way that no one talk no one likes to talk about. Mm. Like no one likes to have. Um, no one, there aren't any parades, you know, for colon cancer with the, with a ribbon and yeah. what color the ribbon would be, but <laughs> brown. <laughs> yes, exactly. And part of me wants to start something like that, but um, there, there are people out there. I, I feel, unfortunately, this type of cancer is on the rise though. Yeah. So we're going to be forced to talk about it more and more. Yeah. Um, and, but it, but oops, sorry about that. I would just say that if you think that there is no one out there that understands this type of cancer, there are, there, there are more people going through it and, and we need more support, more communities of support. Yeah. And I mentioned to you before we pressed record that um, Dr. Jim Waller of episode 93, he was a co colorectal surgeon. He's mostly retired, yes. now, but he definitely recommends low carb for, colorectal cancer mm -hmm. and to help with fasting and uh, fasting helps with the chemo and all those things so you know it's it's not and it's also one of those cancers that they recognize um part of the cause not all of it part of it is due to a high carb diet so the higher mm -hmm. levels of insulin and insulin resistance you know, yeah. do, do have an effect. So by changing that, whether that's now before somebody, you know, somebody gets it, or if somebody gets that diagnosis, you know, there are things that can be done. So it's yeah. great. That it's it's great that it's treatable and, and definitely survivable. And that takes away some of the fear, maybe. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So how can people contact you? Or so they can... Yes. Um, I do have an Instagram if, if they if you'd like to reach out to me on that. Um, my username is Gene K dot 1971. Okay. Gene K dot 1971. Yeah. Fabulous. So before we finish, can you leave us with your three top tips? Sure. Sure. So as we spoke about before, Praying is a big part of it. So I would pray before embarking on this journey because no diet is one size fits all. Mm. And whatever God God leads you to do, you should do. And if you if you do decide to go the keto route, I would suggest using something to track your macros, your fat, protein, or carb intake. Um, yeah. Not only is it helpful, but it's fun. I think it's fun to do that. And you think, oh, shouldn't, you know, how many more carbs do I have today? Like you, you can plug it all in. And then like in the evening, if you're like, how many more carbs do I have to eat today? And then you discover, oh, I could eat like this little low carb treat. So that's fun. And um, de you definitely need some support outside of yourself, a coach 
or mentor or uh, someone in your family who agrees with what you're doing, who can really support you and push you when you want to you, because I feel like you will want to give up, especially in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I'm a, I'm a low carb keto coach. Um, so I, of course, will say that, yes, having a coach is good, but you definitely need someone in your corner fighting, you know, willing to say, yes, you're doing a good thing. Or, you know, even if then, even if it's your brother or your mother or your son or daughter or husband, yes. wife, um, you definitely need somebody who is going to support you. So my husband, everybody who listens regularly will know he's type two diabetic. He's not interested in um, changing his diet. He's not overly supportive, particularly that you'd notice except that whatever I say that I'm doing this week or this month in terms of diet, he will adjust the cooking around that. So at the moment I'm a carnivore. So all I get is some meat and some cheese and things like that. Shall I cook you some halloumi with that? So, you know, having somebody like that, even if they're not doing the journey with you, if somebody does the journey with you, it's even better. But even though you, you still need somebody that's not undermining you, Yes, I agree. Yeah. How were your children? Sure. How were your children around um, your changing diet? Um, all three of them are not. They're they're not completely on board with with doing low carb. It's funny. Back in the day, my oldest and he's gonna he's gonna get all embarrassed. Um, but I'll just say my oldest. I won't use his name, but he was a little overweight, and I actually used a low carb diet to help. This was when he was very young, like I think um, 10 to 12 years old, I tried some low, low carb and he just remembers I was fat and mommy put me on a diet, but <laughs> it was, it was a low carb diet. And he eventually thinned out, not just from that, but from other factors, getting taller. And he also got into running in middle school, but um, he, he, they're all, they're all very healthy, but will not do as low carb as, as I do. And in fact, when I cook, I have two home right now, one's in high school and one is on a break from college. And when I do the cooking, I add to the, I'll, I'll cook up a rice for them or a baked potato or a little pasta and throw it in to bolster their meal. And I'll do, I'll do the low carb. (laughs) But are, are they quite supportive of you? You know, are they quite yes. supportive? They're not undermining you at all? No, especially during, oh, no, not at all. Especially during the cancer treatments. They they for sure were supportive of yeah. that. And in fact, um, well, my, my one son who is home now and he's home again, he was like one of my biggest cheerleaders also saying, look what you're doing, mom. This is great. Look, look, you know, look how you're, you're doing so well and you have cancer and you're doing so well. So. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Wonderful. Jean, thank you for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. So I'm in the process of changing the format of the podcast. So starting this week, there is not going to be an outro from me. And then from next week, there won't be an intro either. So the guest bio will be available on the web page show notes. So today's show notes will be at fabulouslyketo.com 
forward slash podcast forward slash 151. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication. <laughs>